John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And joining us is Pete Prisco from CBSSports.com and CBS Sports. And I was just thinking about this, Pete. This really, as crazy as it's been, is your kind of a season. And the reason I say it's your kind of a season is because uh, you hate flying. And so now nobody pretty much is flying anywhere. You get everything you can do either from home, the studio, you name it. This is kind of your your way. You know what, though, John? I really miss training camp. Oh, I do, too. I did. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I miss getting to see guys and to watch practice and face-to-face interaction and all that stuff. Now, once the season starts, I'm okay being in the studio because I get to see everything. But, um, yeah, I miss training camp, and it was just weird. It was a weird dynamic. I did a lot of zoom stuff and we put guys on the air and but it was just uh you know you, you you've done it for so long you know you get out and you want to see guys mm-hmm. oh yeah and of course i mean here's a year we're going to go through the entire year uh or at least the season and not be able to have a face-to-face interview you can't get uh you know sources and things like that uh everything's on zoom that's the weird part about it and of course uh <clears throat> i know like one of the things that uh you know i have i have to still do the opposing team sidelines on the broadcast and I'm going to be here in Seattle. How weird is that? Yeah, it's really weird. And and yeah, I just and you wonder how long it's going to last the whole season. We don't even know that yet. I no. mean, you hope like this thing wanes a little bit. Maybe they open up somewhat. But I think was it two two teams that have fans in the stands this week? Right? There's Kansas isn't it, isn't it five? Well, you're you're talking. Yeah, you're right about that because I'm thinking about you know there's five teams that I think have agreed to have fans in the stands, but all five aren't going to be at home, correct? Right, like Miami is one of them, and I think Camp is one of them. That's two, so that takes that. And Kansas City tonight. Another one that's going to. Yeah, Kansas City tonight. Yeah, but that. So so it's the three Florida teams: Kansas City, and there's one more. Yeah. But but this week Dallas is the other one. Dallas is the other one. Yeah. And then there's only two this week, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, Dallas is on the road, Miami's on the road, and, and Tampa's on the road. Yeah, very weird. I mean, it's right. like just a whole strange scenario that we have to kind of experience. So what type of season do you think this is going to be? You know, I'm one of those guys that thinks early in the season there's going to be a lot of points scored. And, and people would say, well, the offenses should be behind. But I think we saw that the other day in the college game at Navy. They didn't tackle. Teams aren't tackled. They don't tackle as much. You don't get as much live action. And I think there's going to be a lot of balls out, you know, long plays, missed tackles, bad angles, and you're going to see more points scored early in the season. So I do think that's going to be one thing. I think once we get past a couple weeks, I think it'll settle in and become almost normal. Um, you know, you, you go play. Once you get on the field, you know, you know the fans don't matter. You go play. Uh, I do think – the fans will matter in certain situations, crowd noise and that kind of thing. But I think for the most part, guys are resilient. And you've been around it a long time. You know, when a guy gets hurt, as cruel and nasty as that is, they move him to the side and they run the next play. And that's kind of like what the season's going to be about. You, you move guys, you move, to the, you move the, the, the roadblocks in your season to the, to the side, you run the next play. And I think that's what's going to be pretty much. I think it's going to be a, a fun season. It's going to be different 
Oh, I yeah. think it'll be a good season. Yeah, and the thing that I'm concerned about, and of course it turned out to me not as bad, but of course you can understand why it wasn't as bad, is that uh, you know the injury factor hasn't been as much of a factor because again you have you know a, you know just maybe what a handful of guys that went on the season-ending list, uh, and of course you know, I've got Von Miller. But what concerns me is this, the first two weeks because I charted every every year, I mean, there's just a massive amount of injuries, and you're going to see even a bigger amount coming up in the first two weeks of this year. You know what, though, John? There's always the other theory, though, that because guys didn't, you know, you're not taking part in it year-round, that maybe your body could heal a little bit, too. I, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Because, you know, they kill those guys in the offseason. It's not like it used to be, you know. They, back in the day, they'd show up and get in shape at training camp. And, right. and now maybe maybe – Staying off your feet from a football standpoint, they all worked out, but staying off your feet from a football standpoint might actually help them. I, it'll be interesting to see. It's, it'll be, I'll be curious to hear your chart and how it does because I, I would imagine that uh, it's going to go one way or the other. Uh, maybe, maybe the time off helped them, but maybe the time off really impacted them, and you'll see many, many more injuries. But, you know, soft tissue injuries, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, no doubt. So you're a big quarterback guy. Have you ever seen a year that's as different in each conference with the quarterbacks? So, so for example, and I, I wonder what it means as far as records and stuff like that, the NFC has 12 starting quarterbacks, all making $21 million a year or more, and 11 of them went to the Pro Bowl at different times, and only one. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't go to the Pro Bowl, but he went to the Super Bowl. Then you look in the AFC, and you have at least starting off maybe you know eight or nine quarterbacks that are three years or less experience, and uh, you know now they have to go against you know the Philip Rivers, they have to go against the Ben Roethlisberger's, you know some of the older quarterbacks there. It's just kind of a weird dynamic that you have the young quarterbacks in the AFC and the older quarterbacks in the NFC. What's that going to do for the competition? Well, I think, you know, you, you nailed it when you said the old guys versus the young guys. And, and by that, I mean, you look, the guys are hanging on. You know, Brady, 43, Breeze, Roethlisberger, Rivers, those guys are, aren't kids. But you have this next generation of young quarterbacks that have burst onto the scene that I think, uh, you know, Rodgers is in that other group, too. It, it burst onto the scene, and it gives you some excitement and some anticipation and, and how different they play the game. You know, Lamar Jackson and... And Kyler Murray, I think, is going to have a big year this year. And, um, you know, Dak Prescott, they play the, the game is different. And, and so they run, they move, they get outside the pocket, they're athletic, they're good players. And then, you know, you have statues like Rivers and, and, and you know, Roethlisberger moves and Rodgers moves, but Rivers played in the pocket, Brady for his career played in the pocket. The game is evolving. Um, and I think you're seeing that with the young quarterbacks, like tonight's game. You have two, two highest paid quarterbacks, the two highest paid quarterbacks in the league, and both of them are capable of moving outside the pocket and making plays, yet both of them are capable of staying inside the pocket and making plays. Yeah, no doubt. What's your forecast for Seattle? Look, I, I wish they would. There's people in Seattle are going to be amazed when I say this, but I've said it in the last couple of years. Let the kid play quarterback. Let him free. Let him loose. You're not a great defensive team anymore. You're, you know, so let Wilson dictate the tempo. They've had so much success when they play fast and he has to play from behind and he's throwing the ball around and they put so much pressure on the opposition. I wish they would allow him to do that early in games and dictate the tempo. You're not the same team you were years ago when you won Super Bowls with that dominant defense. You could run the ball. You, you know, he was young. Uh, he played great defense. Well, now I got to see him do, I want to see them let him do more. And by that, throw on early downs and dictate some tempo and spread people out. Make them, make it so it's his team. It is his team, but make it more so uh, that it's his team. Because I don't think 
the, the great defense they used to be, where's the pass rush come from? I mean, that, that to me is the biggest concern. Yeah, but it'll, it'll be better, not to a major degree, but it'll be, it'll be better next year just because they've added so much speed. You know, because when you really look at what they had last year, uh, all they had was a bunch of five techniques. They didn't have that Leo, which would be the elephant in the San Francisco defense, to come off with the twick, quick, the, the, you know, quick moves off the edge. You know, Jadevian Clowney, as good as he was, and he was very good, you know, he was still more of a five technique. At least this year, they can take Bruce, or, uh, Bruce Irvin, you know, move him in with his good speed, and have him do some pass down uh, Leo stuff. You know, they have uh, a kind of a promising young guy in the fifth round, Alton Robinson, who may break in and do some things. Benson Mayo has had 20 sacks during his career. They didn't have that last year. All they had was Clowney and uh, they, a couple young five techniques and uh, no Jaron Reed for six weeks with a suspension. Yeah, I, I still don't. I mean, which guy can put his hand on the ground and win consistently? That's the guy. I mean, they, they don't have that guy. No. You know, Bruce Irvin's been solid in his career. Don't get me wrong. And you, you mentioned Myola. He's been a good player. You know, Robinson's an interesting kid. Um, but, again, they don't have that guy. And that that's they both, when they were great, they had those guys that could rush the passer. They don't have that right now. And, and you know, quite frankly, you look at the back end. I, I think you know they give. Uh, my personal opinion, they give up too much to get Jamal Adams. Um, but he's a good player. I just didn't think you trade two first round picks to go get a safety. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, he is incredible. I mean, watching him in practice, and that's the thing that, uh, you know, you, I mean, how many, I, mean, I know you watch every game, and I'll be able to watch every game uh, this year for the first time, for the most part. But it's like, uh, you, uh, have you ever, I mean, he is sensational, because uh, you know, didn't watch many Jet games, but I didn't realize how good this guy is. I mean, right now, uh, and this this is not a, this is what scouts tend to say is that you know he's in the kind of a beginning of a Hall of Fame type career because when you watch him play he's got the the versatility of Troy Palomala and the hitting of Brian Dawkins. Where do they play? Where are they playing him out in their defense? He'll be strong. He'll be strong. Well, he'll he'll be strong safety. But you know, as Matt Rule. Yeah kind of pointed out what colleges are doing. He has the ability, as he did last year with the Jets, to play a positionalist type of thing because he played 134 snaps at linebacker. He can move into the slot if necessary. He's, he had over six sacks uh, rushing the quarterback, blitzing, and they can put him uh, you know, at the free safety if necessary. So he can play just about anywhere. But He's, they're using him. I mean, they've traditionally used the, the, the free safety play, the single high, and the other guy down in the yeah. box. That's what Cam Chancellor did for all those years. Is he he's playing down in the box? Yeah, he'll be he'll be he'll be down in the safety. box. Yeah, but again, they'll move him around oh, a little not, bit. But they, they more yeah, they're playing more split safety than they have in the past too. I think they, no, they did last anyway, year because so. they had no pass rush. Yeah, and so they're going to play more. They're going to play because remember they went three linebackers. But what they're going to do is they're going to go ahead and play more man. They only played like about twenty five percent man last year. Uh, and so yeah. uh, they'll go more nickel. And again, you know, it, it, once Dunbar gets back to full speed and all that stuff, I mean, he's still kind of getting in shape. They're going to have four Pro Bowl caliber guys in the secondary. Shaquille Griffin went to the Pro Bowl last year. Quentin uh, Deon, uh, DeAndre uh, is like they, uh, you got uh, Dunbar, who was ranked two by Pro Football Focus as the best second best coverage guy in the league. Um, Adams has been to three Pro Bowls, and then uh, you know. And then you've got uh, you know a, a, a free safety who really looks good, Indeed. and he's been a Pro, yeah, pro Bowl alternate two straight years. Yeah, I mean it can be a good group back there. I yeah. just don't. I don't think you pay, you trade that kind of draft capital for a, a box safety, which is. I mean, he's a little better in the box safety. Don't get me wrong. He's the, he's the best safety in the league. Find, yeah. What's what round did they find Cam Chancellor in? 
Uh, they found him, what, in the fifth round? Yeah. I mean, that's where you find those. I don't know. It's just me. That's my yeah, personal yeah. opinion. I wouldn't have thought Hey, Pete, what do you have on He's CBS Sports? Player, what, what, what do you have online right now? Well, then you can just go on CBS Sports HQ because I'm on there all the time. It's our, you know, that 24-hour network. I do. I'm barely writing anyway. I do. All I do is picks and power rankings during the season. I'm on on camera all day. CBS Sports HQ. You can find it on all your, you know, online, but on your apps too, on uh, Apple TV and Hulu and everything else. 24 hours. I'm on a lot. There you go, Pete Prisco, CBS Sports. Thanks for joining us. All right, John. Take care, man, as always. Okay, sounds good. Hey, listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the report card. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And the report card we bring out every day. We get the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories. We take the anecdotes. We take social media comments and voices, and we attach a grade to it. So, Curtis, what do we have? Well, John, let's get started in the NBA with a couple of stories. This one uh, is about next season, which we still got to finish the 2019-2020 season, which feels like it's gone on for about five seasons now. But uh, the NBA League office just moments ago informed the Board of Governors today that the 2020-2021 season, so next year, will not begin earlier than Christmas Day, which would then put it maybe in 2021 when it starts. Uh, A lot of people kind of guesstimating it starting around February or March. Uh, It would be a very shortened season at that point uh, as well. But the hopes is that if the season, if next season does start in time uh, in February or March, hopefully there's a vaccine in place by then in hopes of getting uh, crowds back into arenas. So, John, how are we grading the NBA delaying the start of their next season pretty much into 2021 yeah so it's, it's not going to be december it's going to be past december yes yeah i don't like it it's like uh that's that's too far back and then it's like uh, i guess that season has to be shows so shortened because i mean how much into the summer do you want to take it i mean that's that's i know this is different this year but uh, i i think i'm going to give this a d i think it's a little bit of an overreaction i mean you know i think everybody's been saying that uh you know the nba should start on Christmas, because that's basically when everybody starts paying attention to the NBA, at least on the national scene. We're not talking about local. And so why push it back that much further? Yeah, the the only other precedent I, I know in NBA history where they've started a season past Christmas Day was the 98-99 lockout year where they started in February played through late June that's when the NBA finals ended and they played a ton they played 50 games in the stretch of about 2 months and the basketball quality was terrible it was awful they were playing back to back to back games uh they had very few nights off in between and you could tell that the quality of basketball just was not the same. That was the year the Spurs won. It was the first post MJ year. Hopefully that's not the case in 2021. But uh, right now it's looking like that's going to be the case in the NBA. Speaking of the NBA, John, one of the craziest stories uh, of their restart happened, or is is really we're in the midst of it happening right now. Houston Rockets forward Daniel House Jr. He's on their bench. Uh, he plays uh, the, sort of that six man role for the Rockets. Well, he is being investigated right now by the NBA for breaking quarantine because get this, John, a female COVID nineteen tester allegedly went into his hotel room. Now, nobody is allowed in the players' rooms at all unless you are a spouse or or a child. 
So basically, family members are only allowed into players' rooms now as those family members have come down. So, John, not just any old person going into Daniel House Jr.'s uh, room sort of outside of business hours, but somebody in charge of testing players. This is a a terrible situation all the way around. Luckily, nothing bad has happened yet, but it looks like House is going to be forced to quarantine. How are we grading this this situation? Well, I think we have to kind of give it a, a D and maybe see if you got a Seahawk undrafted cornerback oh, yeah. that uh, you know may have given the advice on this. But I mean, it's it's pretty evident. It's like okay, one of the rules both in the NFL, if you're in a hotel, I think in all these sports is you're the only one that's going to be allowed there unless maybe there's going to be some granting of having maybe a family visit or something like that i mean you know i'm not, I'm not going to take it from it i'm going to give him an f because again he just violated and things and he risk you know getting it now i know it's good chance that the tester is not going to have the virus but again why do that yeah. well of course like you can understand maybe why they might but, <laughs> i think yeah i think, yeah, we, I think all we, got, we all got a pretty good idea there. yeah he was willing to risk it all i mean the rockets are still alive in the playoffs they've got a huge second round series going on right now at the lakers they're giving the lakers all that they can handle and yet this guy willing to risk all of that mm-hmm. for for one night Oof, rough Crazy. uh john also on the report card today the Atlanta Braves putting a hurting on the Miami Marlins last night, scoring the second most runs in Major League history in a single game. Let's take a listen to one of those uh, big grand slams they hit last night. 102 Duval, high fly ball to left field. We are witnessing something truly historic. Wow! A grand slam by Adam Duval, and it's now 29 to nine. And a three-home run game for the second time in a week for Adam Duvall. John, do you think the Falcons outscore the Braves on Sunday? 29 runs from the Braves. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, I mean, the, that's incredible, isn't it? it? It is. The only other time a team has scored that many runs was the Texas Rangers in 2007. They put 30 on the Baltimore Orioles. So the Braves' bats coming out hot. How are we grading 29 runs scored in one major league Ridiculous. Game? I'm going to give it a C. I mean, again, I know it's like uh, everybody loves the long ball and all that stuff, but to me, that's just ridiculous. I mean, it's what what the heck? I mean, 29. You, <laughs> that, that'll, that'll destroy the team's earn run average forever. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the Marlins, they've had a, a hard enough go of it this season. They've had so many games canceled. Uh, I think it was uh, a nice payback for the Braves. Yeah. To and, just... of course, I mean, this is the Marlins team that was competing for the playoffs. It's true. It's true. They were a 500 team heading into last night's game. Not so much anymore, but 29 runs scored by the Braves. And then finally, John, uh, let's end it on this one. Mark Schlereth, friend of the show, friend of the station, uh, he was on Pat McAfee's show uh, on SiriusXM yesterday and was asked about Colin Cowherd and Schlereth gave a nice Cowherd impression. Let's take a listen. He always has these unbelievable analogies and theories about things. Like, you know, I always... And the thing about Colin is Colin will essentially state something and then restate it and then state it again. And at the end of the day, you're like, wow, he's right. And ultimately, he doesn't say anything. Like, he'll say, he'll go like this. He'll go, NBA players are tall. They are. They just are. You know, and you're like, 
Oh my God, he's right. NBA players are tall. I saw one the other day at the grocery store. <laughs> are we grading Stinks' Colin Cowherd impression? I think it's great. I mean, I, I think I'm going to give it an A minus because uh, you know Colin says some weird, weird stuff, and he, you know, and and again, I haven't worked with him for so many years. You know, believe it or not, everything that he does is scripted. I mean, he writes it all out or have somebody write it out for him. I mean, his opinions don't sometimes make no sense. And he always seems to take more shots at this area than he does anything else, even though he was from this area, at least this part of the country. Uh, But I'll give him an A minus. Yeah, I'll give Stink an A for that one. That was a really good impression. Uh, Coward has become somebody that a lot of people now take uh, shots at with impressions. Mm -hmm. I know Frank Caliendo, I think he does one. Uh, there's a guy named Joey Molinaro who does one. So uh, give us any and all Cowherd impressions. We're going to play them. So uh, that is it for today's report card, Joe. Okay, hey, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we will take your text questions on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. Text us at 710 It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line and check your text questions. And so, Curtis Rogers, fire away. John253 wants to know, how long will Colby Parkinson and Daryl Taylor be out? Uh, They'll be out uh, six weeks as it stands right now. You figure that, uh, you know, Taylor probably has a chance to come out, so he's going to miss six games. Parkinson's going to miss six games because uh, you know they're not on the short injured list; they're on the PUP NFI list, and that's at least six games. Two hundred six wants to know. Obviously, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are going to be number one and number two in receiving for Seattle. So, who will be third? Mm, I'm kind of wondering if it's going to be uh, Greg Olson. I mean, I don't know if Will Disley is going to get more catches than Olsen, but I have to think they're going to use the tight end a lot. And I think that, uh, you know, what you're looking at is probably in that uh, 50, 55 catch range. 425 wants to know, how do you see Andy Reid divvying up the carries tonight between his running backs? Well, I mean, uh, that's that's the interesting part because uh, Andy has always not been great on trying to get a lot of carries, but he's now got a back that uh, you know can catch the ball. So I would have to think at the moment, you know, they're probably going to go maybe 14, 15 carries with the first round pick, and then uh, you know mix things up a little bit more. But I think they're going to be passing the ball a lot because there's questions in the uh, Texans secondary, and I think it's going to be a high scoring, fun type of game. From the nine one six, they want to know, John. Do you think Will Disley starts at tight end on Sunday? Uh, no, I think it's going to be Greg Olson. I really do. I mean, you know, I think that they'll go. They're definitely. That's going to be one of the curious things to chart. How much too tight end that they use? Because I think that that's where they want to go a little bit more. Again, you know, it'll still be more. Uh, three receiver sets and there's going to be two tight ends but I think that you know particularly you know going against the Falcon team that uh, isn't really big I mean it's kind of a lighter type of team you go with the two tight ends you you go and you know try to fake the runs and fake the passes and do all those different things and let Russ kind of run around a little bit more 206 wants to know John who do you think will be returning kickoffs for Seattle this season uh I'm wondering if Freddie Swain's going to get a chance you know, I, I still think ultimately they stay with Tyler Lockett. It's not like kick returners get a lot of chances, particularly on kickoffs. But you know, they may mix. And of course, I mean, you know, they they could mix it up. But I think Lockett right now is still the main guy. Five hundred nine wants to know, John. Do you think DeAndre Walker will get some snaps for Seattle on Sunday? Uh, no, I tend to think that he's just getting here. He's going to be one of the inactives. 
907 wants to know, did C.J. Procise ever land anywhere? Uh, yeah, he did. He's on the uh, Houston Texans practice squad. There we go. Shout out to C.J. He did. The 253 wants to know, do you think Arizona overpaid for DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, well, you have. I have to see how the contract is structured because you know the way a lot of these deals are done, they're all backloaded. And the reason they're backloaded is because uh, this year and next year, it was tighter against the cap and it's going to be really tight next year. And so, like for example, when the Mahomes $45 million deal came out, it was really 39.8. And one of the things I'm hearing on the Hopkins contract, it's really like about 18.8, but out we, we still haven't got the contract yet. 253, they want to know, when do you think Earl Thomas will get signed by somebody? Uh, probably next week. I mean, I would have to think that that's going to be more in the neighborhood of trying to get something done there. So I'm looking more next week. Yeah, especially with teams actually having a game under their belt. They, mm-hmm. they know what their team looks like at game speed. And Earl can help somebody on the field. Oh, yeah. It's whether or not they want to deal with him off the field. That could be a problem. Yeah, and- well, it was here in Seattle. It was in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Look out. Uh, this one comes to us from the 253. They want to know, John, do the Seahawks really have the belief in L.J. Collier that he can be one of the two best defensive ends on the team? I think so, yeah. I, whether they're right or whether they're wrong, I think they do believe that. And so uh, we'll see if he can live up to that. This one from the 425. They want to know, John, does Clay Matthews fit in Seattle's 4-3 scheme? Uh, to a degree. I mean, it's not a great fit, but again, all he'll be doing is just putting his hand on the ground from the Leo position and rushing. It's not like they need a linebacker. They've got, you know, six linebackers right now they're very satisfied with. But uh, no, I think in the end, it's going to be just, uh, you know, what just see where it goes. But uh, at the moment, he said no to Denver, and he's not said yes to Seattle. 206 wants to know, besides tonight and the Seahawks game on Sunday, which games are you most looking forward to? Well, I think Tampa Bay and New, Eng- uh, and New Orleans. I mean, that's the big showdown. You know, it could really determine a lot of things in the NFC, so I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, that one's going to be fun. Uh, Tennessee at Denver, before the Von Miller injury, that one was looking good. How about Arizona-San Francisco right out of the gate? That that's a fun. big NFC West matchup uh, that I think a lot of people here in town are going to have an eye on for sure. This one from the, let's see here, from the 253. They say, is the defensive line the only position group you can see Seattle adding to at some point this season? Mm, I mean, you know John Snyder. I mean, if he sees something, he's going to add it. I mean, that's one thing. But I think uh, you can look and uh, there's no room in the secondary, that's for sure. There's no room at linebacker. There's certainly no room on the offensive line. Uh, You know, maybe they'll still kind of play around at wide receiver. But I think pretty well this team is set and is deep. Yeah, well, last year at the trade deadline, I don't think many people were expecting to get a safety. No. And Quandre Diggs, I think everybody would do that trade over every single time. What was it, a fifth-round pick fifth for Fifth-round pick, yeah. Yeah, that was a great trade. Yeah, boy, that, and that shows you how good Detroit and the Jets are as far as uh, giving <laughs> away two Pro Bowl players like that. Yeah, for pennies really nice. on the dollar. Two, oh, uh, the three six L wants to know, John, what order would you put these wide receiver duos in? Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Mm, it's Mike Evans and Chris Godwin's being number one. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's the best duo in in football. I mean, they are really sensational. So I, I'd give it to them. Yeah, they're they're really really good. Oh, yeah. uh, from the nine seven one, they want to know, John, what kind of role do you see for Penny Hart on Sunday? Um, uh, I think maybe inactive. I think that uh, you know they're going to go with more of the experience, and of course he's not the most experienced, and so I think he's going to be one of the uh, inactives. 
This one from the 425. They want to know, do you expect Mike Evans to play in week one? Uh, I think so. I think it's a little dicey right now. It looks like, uh, from what I was hearing yesterday, it was a game-time decision. And, boy, if he doesn't, that's going to hurt. This one comes to us from the 253. They want to know who is going to have the better season, Tom Brady or Cam Newton? Uh, Tom Brady. I mean, because think about this. It's like, uh, what kind of season did Tom Brady have, even though he didn't make the playoffs and won 12 games? His, he was completing 60% of the passes. And now what Cam Newton's working with is a, a group right now that uh, is lesser talented. I mean, they've got you know, nothing at tight end except for two rookies, uh, and they've got uh, you know no Mohamed Sanu. So I'd say right now it's not even going to be close. Brady goes with a great deep group of pass catchers and offensive players, and uh, it's not there for Cam right now. John, let's finish it off on this one coming to us from the 206. They want to know, Chiefs, Texans, who do you have tonight? Uh, Chiefs. I mean, Chiefs are at home. they got some fans in the stands. They've got Patrick Mahomes. So it's home and homes is going to be uh, right now looking good for the Chiefs. Yeah, it's 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 almost here, John. We're almost. like, what, six hours away? Mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty close. And, uh, yeah, well, let's, let's talk to the Graz about it. Okay, so our Daily Dose of the Graz coming up. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time for our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. And so, Dave, football is finally here. Kansas City takes on Texas tonight, the Houston Texans. Uh, Excited or not excited? Of course. Everyone is. Why wouldn't you be? I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see on a lot of levels what it's going to look like. The NFL's first year that that we know of without exhibition games, uh, how, how well these teams will play is obviously a big, is a big question. How, how crisp they'll look, uh, after going through a, a unique sort of off season. So I, I think there's uh, obviously there's a tremendous amount of interest and I would imagine record ratings perhaps for a nice game. Oh yeah. And of course, I mean, is it nice that you have the two highest paid quarterbacks starting against each other in what's probably going to be a high scoring game? Well, it's fifty-one thirty-one in the playoffs last year, and I think the Texans blew like a twenty-four nothing lead or something like that. And and uh, it wouldn't actually, in fact, it wouldn't be a surprise at all to see it be like that. Uh, you know, again, uh, I think that the, the question will be, you know, how crisp will teams be? Will offenses be in front of head of defenses? I mean, there's just so many X factors that you don't know about because uh, the the preparation has been uh, unique for both teams going into this game. So uh, I'm very curious to see how crisp it looks and. And, yes, I would assume on paper that's what it looks like, although I don't think the Texans look quite as good as they looked last year on paper where the Chiefs look look as good or if not better than they look. So I'm not sure how competitive a game it's going to be tonight. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I just worry if I'm going to be Houston about that defense because, you know, the defense uh, gave up more than 24 points a game last year. I think it's even weaker. And it's not a defense right now that's good enough to get to the quarterback. And if you can't get to Patrick Mahomes, he's going to get to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I tell you what, Bill O'Brien keeps his job and, and should, uh, and he wins, and they go to the postseason. But he's been, uh, I think, four in the past five years, but he's always on the hot seat. He's always on the hot seat for, for moves he makes in the offseason, and certainly trading away DeAndre Hopkins was that. Uh, we'll see. if I mean, if David Johnson can be what he was, uh, it gives uh, gives Watson a little, a little relief of the pressure on him. Uh, we'll see, but uh, you're right. Defensively, they've got plenty of question marks going in, and they had them last year, and they didn't really address them. No, they really didn't, and so that's going to be the big challenge to see if they can kind of turn that around. Uh, how much are you looking forward to Sunday? 
Well, it's an interesting opener for the Seahawks. Uh, you know, the, the traveling back east is, is something they've done in the past. Atlanta is is where they're playing as a team that's been uh, in, in the mediocre run of seven and nine, seven and nine the last couple of years. But a team that can provide difficulties for the Seahawks, who who kind of struggle in Week One. We certainly remember last year uh, being an example of that, in particular when they're on the road. Uh, DK Metcalf. We'll see what the Seahawks fans envision him becoming this year on the other side of the field, and Julio Jones. You've still got Ryan, so you've still got a high-powered offense. Um, you know, defensively, they're hoping Dante Fowler can be what Vic Beasley wasn't uh, for Dan Quinn and company. And and you know, the, the the question about the Falcons, and again, it's with the with the strange offseason that you you don't know how they're going to come into it. But you know, the Falcons were one and seven uh, to start last year. They ended up six and two with a couple of real quality wins. Was and it kept you know Quinn hired and kept kept him his staff there. I mean, was that was that the sign of a, a turnaround in Atlanta, or was it just? You know, a fortunate second half of the season. So uh, there's a lot of pressure on them coming into this game. Uh, there'll be some fans of the game, which will, which will be interesting uh, to, to hear. Just they're going to be that tonight, as a matter of fact, too. Uh, small pods of them. Although I think they're going to have fan noise pumped into that game in Atlanta, if I got it right. Yeah, they they so, will. Um, yeah, and it's yeah, seven so, uh, about seventy it, decibels. It, it, okay, yeah. So it's it, it's going to be, you know, I mean that's that's the biggest difference. We've seen it in in the hockey and basketball playoffs that. Home field advantage really isn't going to be much of it, much of that because uh, crowd is what what home field advantage is in 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 winter sports in particular and and football for sure. So it'll be a road game in terms of traveling. It won't necessarily feel like one in the stands. We'll we'll have a, a lot of our questions, you know, for the Seahawks answered. Will be uh, you know in, in this in this game in the first couple of weeks of the season. So it's an interesting matchup, you know, one that they, I think they're very confident going into, but. You know, on the other hand, they have struggled on the road in, in first games under Pete Carroll, and you know Atlanta's got a big-time offense, and and we'll see if back the Seahawks have rebuilt their defense from the back end forward, and if it's going to work as well as it worked the last time. Yeah, no question, and that's going to be the challenge that's going to be there. How much are you looking forward to the Sunday night game between Tampa Bay and New Orleans? I think everyone's looking forward to seeing Tom Brady in a new uniform. I mean, just the curiosity factor for that is is off the charts, and you know Tampa has become a become the darling of a lot of people now they they you know i mean you could argue and, and it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a easy it wouldn't be a difficult argument to win if they had a quarterback who took better care of the football last year they, they might have been a postseason team i mean james winston was just unbelievable and, and the seahawks saw it firsthand and and how uh cavalierly he handled the football and all the turnovers that should change with with tom brady they, they've got rob gronkowski which is going to look strange seeing him in that uniform and other good weapons for him on offense they already had a pretty good defense so you know, they're getting thrown in the lines then, though. The Saints are, are what they've been the last couple of years, just supremely talented. I mean, you look at them on paper and, and it's easy to make, it's an argument to be made that they're the most talented team in the NFC. But, um, they, they've, they've had their playoff issues, obviously. You know, they've got their own old quarterback and Drew Brees. It's a, it's a fantastic headlining game, though. It's, it's a, the curiosity factor again for Brady and Tampa has got to be over the shot, over the moon. A little bit of a different change. How about the NBA now thinking about, uh, you know, for start, starting uh, the season, not necessarily in December, not in November, but uh, like February? I, I find that very curious. I didn't see that. And that, that you know, I mean, it, it makes some sense. Uh, you know, that they, uh, you know, you're going to have certain teams that weren't in the bubble and weren't in the playoffs off for a long, long time. But, um, you know, I, I tend to just, you know, without knowing a lot of the details on what their thinking is behind it, I think that they, they, they usually think things out pretty well. They did a good job of coming up with, with their plan in the bubble. They've got great communication between their players association and the commissioner's office. So 
Uh, I'm going to wait and hear some more details flesh out as to why they're thinking of doing it. But they usually are, I'm not going to say usually, but they've been making the right calls in the last couple of months. Yeah, they, I guess you can maybe yeah lean toward it's like, okay, I, I kind of not like it, but of course, you know, it, it may be the right thing to do. And so far they have done the right thing. How have you enjoyed the NBA playoffs so far? Uh, it's been entertaining and, and surprising. And, and, uh, you know, again, you're going to see some of the, some of the same familiar names. It, it's, uh, it's weird to, to not see the Warriors. You know, if you've been yeah. watching the NBA for the past couple of years, it's just weird not to see them. Uh, and they figure to be back with a vengeance, uh, if when they start up next year. But, uh, if this is, if this is the final run for LeBron James, I don't think it is. I mean, he's in his 17th year, John, and he's still putting up numbers like he was a rookie. He just did a, an amazing, amazing performance. Um, uh, I think uh, he's got there's a lot of sentimental uh, reasons to root for the Lakers. No doubt, <clears throat> and of course, I don't. I, but of course, you know, all the non-Laker fans are going to be rooting for the Clippers. I would imagine. Well, the Clippers uh, have got Steve Ballmer's money. They've got Kawhi Leonard. They they they, they really uh, look like uh, they might struggle to even get to this point. And and uh, they they were they were a lot of teams' favorites, a lot of people's favorites going in. So I mean, it's uh, it's. It's fun when you have uh, when you have battles like that in your town. I mean, when you've got uh, two really great teams going at it, uh, you know, there are the only a few cities that can have it, and it doesn't happen all that often. But but when it does, it's a sight to behold. Yeah, it really is. And of course, uh, that's going to be good. Anything on the hockey side? Uh, let's see. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's going as expected uh, so far. Uh, you know, it, it kind of lost a little bit of uh, the luster for me when 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 uh, you know. Vancouver got knocked out, although they they played they played very very well. Um, Vegas is very strong, uh, and, and Dallas is 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 uh, more than you know they they've just kind of quietly gotten to that point. And and you know John, the first team ever gave me a press pass was the New York Islanders, way way back in the day. So uh, I got a sentimental rooting interest in in those guys as well. But uh, I've lost a little bit of my interest when the Canucks got knocked out. Yeah, that did that did hurt. I mean, and sad. it'd be nice if the Mariners could play the Rangers again. Can we arrange that? Uh yeah well no you can what about the uh, the Diamondbacks <clears throat> they're not much better well let's hope not because boy the Giants uh, came in and just uh, stomped all well they went down to San Francisco obviously and just just stomped all over them I mean it was it was um, it was a two game series to forget about including last night's ten one defeat which was trouble but you know Oakland got a uh, I think a walk off win over Houston so in terms of their playoff hopes they're two and a half games behind the Astros and. And they've got some games left with the Astros, so um, you can still dare to dream. Absolutely, and of course, uh, it's been a fun season so far, one that was never expected, but it's always expected to have good things coming from the Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Thanks, John. We'll talk tomorrow. All right, sounds good. And of course, we will be back tomorrow. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.